Are you ready to be awakened and empowered in your calling and purpose? Are you a builder and shaper of the church, marketplace, and society? Welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I look forward to helping you get equipped as a catalyst of the kingdom in your sphere. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. Those that are watching online, our YouTube channel, History Makers TV, please make sure to like and subscribe, as well as our podcast, which is now featured on a whole bunch of other platforms. So wherever you're listening or watching from, we just want to welcome you back to this incredible podcast. I want to talk to you today for the next few moments on the revival that God desires, the revival that God desires. Did you know that it's possible to become even religious with our charismaticism? (laughs) Us as charismatics or spirit-filled or Pentecostals, we can actually become religious and it's it's a human nature thing where we like to camp on the things that God did yesterday. We like to, quote-unquote, you'll hear, redig the ancient wells. And, and it's good to honor those who have gone before us and moves of God that have happened before us. But did you know that God desires to do a new thing and God desires a move of his spirit that doesn't have to be hindered, limited, or ever come to an end? And I, I want to tell you about that revival that God truly desires. And as I mentioned, we sometimes like to camp on what he did before. The problem is, as we know, uh, revivals are very much suddenlies. Whether you call it revival or renewal, they are suddenlies of God that God initiates, yes, in partnership with man in prayer, but God chooses and he, and he often has such a strategy behind where he chooses to move and why and what the nature of that awakening is. And this is just how God likes to do it. And so for us as believers, we tend to, because these seasons and these moments in time are so glorious, we tend to build our camp there. And if he's not moving there anymore, we're forever waiting until he does. And in that waiting and that very much prophetic culture that is predominant today, we tend to think we really can't do the work of the ministry unless there is a revival. But in actual reality, you see that this is just not biblical. God expects us to move and to do things even now. And we know that the gap between what we do in our buildings and in our services, as good as all that is, the gap between that and where people really are at is vast. And did you know, fasten your (laughs) seatbelt, but God actually wants to reach people out there. God wants to do something through you that allows his heart and his nature and his spirit to be translated to those people who do not know him, those people who are not running to the church. So when we talk about the revival that God desires, let's never confine or uh, uh, regulate the work of the ministry to what takes place in a building what took place in a season, or even under the banner of where we can get religious sometimes, under the brand of revival. We just can't do the work of the ministry effective without a revival. When the Holy Spirit has been given to us, the gospel has been given to us, and everything throughout the New Testament 
and really the Bible, trumpets a going gospel. So there's something for us to do now. There's something in you that wants to explode with dunamis power right now. And I want to talk to you a bit about that and show you this. When we confine ministry to a moment, to a a movement, to a season, we actually hold people and society back from their redemption. Did you catch that? When we withhold the work of the ministry to a movement, to a, a moment in time, to a man or woman, to a, to a past revival, we actually hold back the move of God from reaching people right where they're at. And we tend to confine ministry, and you'll, you'll see this a lot amidst revival culture and in the charismatic world. We will tend to view the work of the ministry as ministering to God's heart solely. And we have this sort of religiosity that as we pray to God, as we prophesy, as we worship, as we gather, we're aiming everything up at God, almost trying to unlock this prophetic passcode so that he will come down and do the work of the ministry that he's called us to do. (laughs) And so much of Christianity will revolve around gathering together and aiming upwards, hoping that we can awaken a sleeping God and that he will come down and reach people and do the work of solving our nation's problems and all of that. And we call that revival. Wow. (laughs) But in actual reality, in God's eyes, from God's perspective, the work of the ministry is not so much about reaching his heart with our hearts, but it's more about reaching people's hearts with his heart. Did you catch that? The work of the ministry from God's perspective is less about aiming upward and reaching God's heart with our hearts, but it's more about reaching people's hearts with God's heart. Finding a way to translate the heart of God the love of God, the power of God, the moving of his spirit to people where they're at. And even as I say this, it sounds so jolting to compared to what we've known, which is just, I'll just keep worshiping over the city as good as that is. I'll keep prophesying over the city as good as that is, waiting for God to come down and do the work of the ministry. But the New Testament context of church and laborers and what we're called to do and the very reason we've been filled with the Holy Spirit was not just to do prophetic acts, but to do tangible acts and reach people where they are, translating God's heart to their heart. I know it's sort of a new thought, but this is actually the revival that God desires. People filled with the Spirit awaken to go out as laborers and reaching society. And Jesus alluded to this when he said he saw, it says he saw the people dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Pray the Lord of the harvest, he said, to send out laborers, to send out shepherds into the harvest to reach people. Let me show you a little bit more about the kind of revival that God desires. In Isaiah chapter 58, I'll read verses 5 to 8 real fast. You can look this up on your own, but Isaiah 58, verse 5. Is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast? And, And when we say fast here, we're talking about 
a spiritual. Would you call this your, your spiritual acts that you were supposed to do? Would you call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen? Now God's going to play his hand. What, what's his version of uh, religion? What's his version of spir true spirituality? A, a spiritual, a fast. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Well, we can do some of that at the conference, but then it goes further. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? Okay, now, it, now it's getting a little tougher. This is going beyond the prayer meeting now. We've got to do something. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then, here's the result of such acts. Here's the result of such a revival. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. This is profound. Because here we see God addressing a people who knew how to do religious practice. Who knew how to do the sackcloth and go through the motions and bring in the worship team and wave the flags and do all the great manifestations and things we do in church, which are, which are all good. But God says, is that what you call the highest level of spirituality, a fast? Actually, I say, here's the fast that I choose. Here's what spirituality looks like to me, is that you reach those who have less that you set free those who are burdened, that you meet the needs of any human depravity. If there is a widow in your city, if there is an orphan, if there is someone hungry, wherever there is lack among your own flesh, he's talking about. Don't hide yourself from your own flesh. I mean, this is wild. Don't hide yourself from your own neighbors and people, but go and meet human depravity with God's supremacy. Go and judge the kingdom of darkness with God's kingdom of light and righteousness. This is revival in my eyes. This is the work of the ministry in my eyes. He was addressing people that knew how to do all kinds of acts and practices aimed up at God. All kinds of even penance to some degree, aimed up at God. And God says, is this the highest level of what I've called you to do with your Christianity? Is this the highest level of spirituality? Let me introduce you what I consider to be worship. Let me tell you what, what spiritual practice is. Let me tell you what fasting is. It's to take my heart and reach people's hearts. This is highly profound. I'll take it a step further in Psalm 82, where it says God stands in the congregation of the mighty. And he's talking about here, we have a prophetic picture of God taking his stand among the church, among us as sons and daughters of God. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods, lowercase g, and I'll, I'll explain that. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? 
Defend the poor and fatherless. <laughs> I think I need to stop right there for a moment. Let, let me give some explanation here. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. When we talk about he judges there, he comes to bring order. He comes to set things in place as they're supposed to be. And when it says he judges among the gods, this is Psalm. But we also see Jesus addressed uh, people at times as gods. He said, have you not heard? Do you not know you are gods? And, and he's quoting Psalm here, and I'll get to that. When we talk about gods, the charismatic world has tended to use that as a scripture to make us higher than we ought to be. But simply what God means in that context is that we function and behave like our Father. Doesn't that resonate? <laughs> Isn't that a lot easier to swallow? We are of the God class. We are sons and daughters of our Father, God. Therefore, we should be functioning like Him. We are of the God class, so we should do on earth what God would do if He was in our shoes. We are simply functioning like God. So it says He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly? He's addressing us as those called to do on earth and put the earth in order as he would if he were in our shoes. He says, how long will you judge unjustly? How long will you allow your streets to be out of order? How long will you allow sin in the church? How long will you allow human depravity, depravity all around you? How long will you allow widows to go hopeless? How long will you allow children to go hungry? What has the church been doing? We're so focused on our gatherings and our fasts and our sackcloth and our... And God deals with the church here. How long will you allow chaos in your education system? And, and how long will you allow this? And then he gives us the commission and brings us into order. He says, defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Meaning... Put, bring justice to those who are afflicted and in need by meeting their needs and relieving them of their affliction. Free them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. Doesn't this sound like the world? Waiting on us to come and bring the light to them. It's why Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and that he said, you are the light of the world. It's because there is darkness that needs the invasion of his light through you and I. They do not know. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. I said you are gods, lowercase g again. And all of you are children of the Most High, but you shall die like men and fall like any one of the princes, referring to the demonic powers that have fallen. Can you imagine that within this great commission of Scripture, we see God addressing those who are hungry, those who are afflicted, those, the church that's allowing partiality, those who are fatherless, those who are poor, those who are needy. Of all of that, God considers the highest level of spiritual, spirituality to be to meet the needs of people. 
You see, ministry is not confined to what we do in a building among ourselves. Ministry is not confined to spiritual acts, prophetic acts, uh, all, all of those things, again, which are good. Ministry is not confined to a Sunday morning time slot with worship and praise and clapping of our hands and flags. Ministry is not co confined to just extending our hearts to God, but ministry is about extending His heart to people right where they are at. And in that way, we do God's justice on earth. In that way, we're behaving like what is described here as God's lowercase g. We thought it was all about becoming a millionaire or having a jet or all of, all of these kind of material things somehow made us look like gods, behaving as though we were superior to others. But no, to behave like God is to behave like Jesus and to stoop down to the woman who's about to be stoned, to get close to the prostitute in her brokenness, to get close to the drug addict, to feed the hungry, and to judge the kingdom of darkness. Judgment means to take that which is in chaos and put it into order. That's what a judge does. He renders a verdict with the gavel. He takes chaos and he puts it into order, he or she. That's what we are to do in the sense of when we feed a homeless person, a hungry person, we actually are bringing judgment to the spirit of poverty. Woo! When we give water to someone who is thirsty, we're judging the spirit of poverty. When we do good to those in need, when we set free the oppressed and bring them hope and love and kindness, we're judging the spirit of oppression, dethroning it in that moment and enthroning Jesus Christ, his kingdom, and, and a kingdom of light. If you want to know how to dethrone the kingdom of darkness, this is where it starts. It's not always found in all our yelling. All our shouting, all our stuff that we do. <laughs> but it's found in how we bring order and justice to those who are broken. God bless you. Coming up next week, you don't have to confine and restrict reaching people and reaching this harvest that God wants us to reach. We don't have to confine it to a movement, a man or woman. A moment, a season, something always coming, but, but not yet. Thanks for listening to Transformation Generation Podcast. If you liked what you heard, visit historymakersacademy.com to enroll in one of our cutting-edge trainings. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, History Makers TV.